Well, that and I love uh, my favorite part, I guess, is just the, the people that come on when they share their stories and we can hear, you know, their uh, their insight, their wisdom, some of their struggles. Like that, to me, I think is what's touched me and, and other people as well. Tune in to the couch live on Monday nights at eight p.m. only on WOKB. Your urban empowerment and inspiration station, sixteen eighty WOKB and FM one hundred point seven. The following show and its content are the responsibility of the show's producers and participants. Information related in this program is not meant to substitute medical recommendations. Before starting a treatment program, you should consult your physician. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Ignition. Liftoff. I'm the Street Certified Dope Doctor here with you. This is Dope and Dharma, the Couch Live edition of Dope and Dharma. It's Monday night here when we're doing it. I don't know when you're watching or when you're listening to it. We're here at WOKB 1680 AM in the Orlando area and, of course, 100.7 FM in the Central Florida area. Hey, you got it right this time. I got it right, man. I, I put the point I put the point where it needed to be, point. man. I got the point. Uh, and, of course, that's the Dharma guy, Trinity Phillips. What's up, brother? Hey, hey, what's up? Nothing much, man. Beautiful uh, Monday. How come every time it's Monday, it feels like a Friday? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then there's Mr. Shaw. Mr. Shaw, 247. What's up, brother? Hey, hey, hey. What's going down in the town? Good, man. I, I see you got your hands up and everything. What you, what you got going on, man? You in a good mood? You got it right. Football. football. <laughs> it's football, right? Right, right, right. That's what it is, Because you're an athlete. You remember, because you're an athlete. So. <laughs> So football season's run, you get all excited, right? Yes, and that's, right, why, right. He's, that's, that's why he's a better man, because yeah, man, he was an athlete right. and that's you right. were not. That's right. And by the way, Trinity, before we uh, continue, I yeah, I saw the, the new uh, Hard Knocks, the first episode, and you're absolutely right, man. I was like, I was, Bruh. I, I had forgot that you had texted me that, and I'm sitting there watching, I'm going like, okay, He's walking around. He's I don't. First of all, he's walking around like he's all anxiety ridden, and he's and he's doing that 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 opening speech, and it's that's the way the whole show starts. And I find myself like wandering away, and I'm like, usually yes. my brain doesn't wander away when a coach is speaking, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is he saying? And then so I go back to the text message and see what did Trinity say about this speech again, and exactly what you said that it was incoherent is exactly what I was thinking. Dude, exactly. all right. So for those of you who don't know, he's talking about HBO's Hard Knocks. Came right. on uh, the first episode with the Detroit Lions. Why I don't know, um, <laughs> but for whatever reason they wanted some airtime. Um, and the coach opens up with like yeah. his rah rah here we go speech to open up training yeah. camp. And I'm like, all right, yo, let's do this, man. Let's see what because right. like he said, I always like to hear how the coaches get people Love hyped it. up. And so I'm listening to him talk, and as he's droning on, it is the most incoherent. 
yeah babble like it doesn't make it makes no sense he brings in all these weird like examples of like the ocean and the tide and and then uh uh, metallica just weird like stuff that it's like he just read a whole bunch of bumper stickers and just repeated them all like it made absolutely no sense which is probably why they're winless yeah any anyway but he's got a lot of great coaches with him so so including antoine antoine randall l which i love anyway yeah. So so anyway, so let's get right into the show because we got some we got a great special guest today. Yes. Uh, Dr. Nelson Pichardo is going to be joining us in a second. Um, he's with Telemed Clinics and he's out of the Palm. Uh, what is it? A Palm? Not Palm Coast. It's a what is it? The the, the Palm, Panama City area up there in the Panhandle. He's from the Panhandle up in Florida. Right. Uh, so he's going to join us today because we're going to be talking anxiety today. Trinity anxiety. We know so many of it's you have it. Buzzword. Everybody thinks they have it, even when they don't have it. And Self-diagnosing. I think it's important to talk about, man, because it because it, it, it could be debilitating. It, it, it sucks, yeah. man. Anxiety is not a fun thing. Um, so we're definitely going to be talking about it today. So if you have it, please listen in. Uh, you know, if you have a friend that has it, don't make them too nervous, but let them know that we're on and maybe they want to hear about it. Uh, and so tell everybody how they can listen, watch all that good stuff, Trinity, if they want to join in, uh, and then uh-huh. we'll bring them on. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Monday nights, if you were to watch uh, live and you would like to participate in the discussion, uh, you can do that through Facebook Live or YouTube Live. Just look up Dope and Dharma. Or you can call if you want to call in and speak to us. Go ahead, uh, Shaw. What's that number? 407-894-1680. That's 407-894-1680. And of yeah. course, if you want to listen to us at your leisure, we're on all right. available podcast platforms. Right. So anyway, so that's that's what we're talking about. So let's bring on Dr. Nelson Pichardo. Dr. Nelson Pichardo, all the way from uh, the Panama City area. Did I get the city right? Yeah, Dr. yeah. Pichardo? I'm in Santa Rosa Beach around Destin, Destin, Florida. But yeah, the Panhandle. That's close. I like so. So if a hurricane hits Panama City, it hits you too, right? Yeah. That's how I measure where people are. <laughs> I'm, you... I'm, uh, unless I'm driving towards Disney when it's hitting over here. You know you're always welcome. You know it. You know I tell you all the time. You know, come come on down. The water's warm. Um, look, that's the way I. You know, you know you're a Floridian when you figure out where people are based on can they get hit by a certain hurricane or not. That's that that's how you know where they're at. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, so anyway, now that I've caused anxiety in everybody, and, and, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, 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 anxiety. Exactly. Now that I helped cause some anxiety. Uh, anyway, Dr. Nelson Pichardo, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about who you are and what qualifies you to be uh, our expert today. Oh, wow. Well, I am a psychiatrist, both boarded in two specialization in adult psychiatry as well, addiction medicine. I've been a psychiatrist for over 22 years, um, experience in the military. I was active duty. I was psychiatrist in the military, medical director, uh, run out a lot of different hospitals, different units. I've been dealing with, you know, uh, mental health for whew, since, well, since almost 1997, 98, when I, when I got into medical school, um, I was working with a psychiatrist and a therapist at that time. I used to be, I used to be an assistant to a social worker, believe it or not, doing treatment plans. So, uh, so that a lot of foundation there, because when you're working with mental illness, you need uh, goals to achieve and right. treatment plans helps you a lot and you know it helps guide the patients so yeah so i think that um i think that qualifies me a little bit i, I, I think a little bit i think i think <laughs> Just yeah. a smidgen. Yeah, a the board bit. certified yeah. hat you had me at yeah. board certified yeah yeah you know like yes. that that's that just sounds like 
I take good tests. Yeah, but I studied more than you. I sat, I sat, I sat in a different part of the classroom than you. Uh, However, Listen, hey, I'm not a good boy. I'm not a good test taker, man. Yeah, yeah, I have to really learn the material because, man, I'm yeah. horrible at answering questions. There's but, only, <laughs> there's only one question that matters, though. Did you play sports? <laughs> he still does. He runs. He I runs. still do. I He's still, still do. You can't, oh, back there, a bunch of medals and trophies. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, don't make me pull out my trophy, Trinity. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, this is you want to see the way I took my SAT, Doctor Pachardo. <laughs> Tell me. He Christmas treated. I stayed out. I stayed out all night. I came home, and my mom says, "You know, you got your SAT today." I was like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> I fell asleep." <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. True story. It sucks. Um, I think I got like a 780 or something like that on my ass. It was a whole, it was the word, you know, I think you get that for spelling your name, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, so we got Michael Maynard, uh, the way he's on is, uh, Facebook live. Uh, Hey Mike Maynard. He says there's too many sharks in New Smyrna beach. Uh, I love, uh, I'm in New Smyrna, baby. I love the sharks. The sharks are good. Uh, they're little, they give you something to talk about anyway. So, so anxiety, Dr. Pachardo, first of all, what is like, and, and remind, don't, and, and this is the reason you're on the show. You're on the show because for a psychiatrist, you're just as crazy as all of them. Because I think all psychiatrists are a little crazy. But, a little bit. Yeah. But the good thing is when you speak, you speak like a normal person. You know what I mean? You don't you don't speak in the psychobabble, hard to understand, hard to relate to language. So, you know, for our audience and all of us that actually want to know what is anxiety in the most simplest form, how would you just describe it? to the everyday person? You know, anxiety, remember, it's also like pain. It, it's subjective, very subjective. So a lot of people, you know, experience anxiety very differently, you know? So anxiety in reality, like definition, the definition as, you know, from the, the actual DSM, DSM-5 is a feeling of unease, you know, feeling restless, feeling anxious, you know, uh, heart racing, um, sometimes you feel like you're going to die, uh, palpitations, sweaty, but a lot of, a lot of people subjective, they feel more that they have to, something's happening. They don't know some butterfly in the stomach. Like, I don't know, something's going to happen to me. Um, and a, a little bit hypervisual, meaning they, they feel that something's going on and, and they're a little bit more hyped up than normal. Um, the thoughts are racing. Sometimes they have a lot of thoughts, but a lot of not thoughts of, a lot of thought of what is going to happen right. you, because when you look at anxiety, it, it has, there is so many different type of anxiety. You know, you, you, you have generalized anxiety mm -hmm. disorders, you know, which this is a person that is worrying about the cousins, brother, friend, sister, girlfriends, financial issues. Right. <laughs> wow. right. You know, that's, you know, these people worry about everything. everything. And then, and then they, they, they work themselves up. And then you have some people that have anxiety because of certain situation. Maybe they, they have a social phobia, you know, or, or, or they have or have some issues that they, they don't want to be, you know, some trauma issues that they don't want to be exposed to loud sounds. That, for example, like for the military population, you know, you get an active duty guy with a bunch of combat, PTSD, take him to Disney, to the fireworks. You see how he's going to freak out. He's going to have an incredible anxiety attack. Right. So, so it all depends on on how you know the person managed the, the anxiety and how bad is it right uh 
So let me pause you there for a second, because you said one of the words that somebody on uh, Facebook Live is is already asking a question in regards to something you just said. And the question comes from uh, Marissa Molesky. Um, She says, is there a difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack? Yes. So the panic attack, the panic attack is a more severe. That is why when, when you look at levels of anxiety, there that's why a lot of the questions they were asked, you know, what's your anxiety level one to ten? But when you get a you know anxiety attack, okay, you feel nervous, you feel anxious, uneasy, and butterfly. But when you get a panic attack, now you have impending doom. You think you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. You cannot breathe. You 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 know you're hyperventilating. You you really you have palpitation. You you can hear your heart. Your heart is you know, it's, it's beating and you can, and you can hear it. And it's, and you, you really think that, that you're going to die and you freeze. And then yeah. one of the, one of the things that is so classical is that things, because you're so hyped up, things slow down. So you start like depersonalizing, you start seeing things like slow motion around you. And it's because you're so hyped up. So somehow you depersonalize yourself, mm-hmm. which panic attacks, chronic panic attacks will lead to honestly PTSD from the panic attack because it's so horrible that you freak out just thinking that you're going to have a panic attack. So you start having panic attacks, just thinking of having a panic attack. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You know, I I've actually experienced one, uh, I'm going to say major panic attack where I required hospitalization. And, you know, I, I called the the ambulance on myself uh, because you really do feel like you're going to die. I, I, I could not breathe. I was hyperventilating. I called Dana, um, you know, there was some situations that led up to it for number one. And in, 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 in what I've learned is it happens with a lot of people. I was not eating well. I stayed up real late. I was cramming for an exam. I was still in college at the time. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't nourishing myself. I wasn't drinking enough water. I, 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 I was I was concerned about a test. You know, all the things that are normally and naturally fear producing. And now you add to the malnourishment and, and the the additional fear on top of it. Um, and at that point in time, I did not know that I had suffered anxiety for a very long time, but I had covered it up and I self-medicated. So I didn't even know that, that I had this underlying regular, uh, type of anxiety that, that I just needed to, had to figure out how to deal with. And that panic attack right there, that was the scariest thing I ever had. So from that moment forward, if I ever felt like my breathing was off or I started persistently thinking about something, that impending doom thought process, I started thinking, oh, boy, oh, boy, here it comes. I'm going to have another one. And what I had learned early on was that was the true negative part. Like, as long as you don't believe that it's coming, you can actually help prevent it. Like, you just know this is not a real thought. This is a fake. I can prevent this. It's totally controllable as long as I can get out. If I can breathe and I can stop focusing um, that it's going to happen. But but. When you say the word stop, that that that's not a positive, right? You got to think of what can happen. In other words, I will calm down, I will breathe properly, and all that stuff. And that's I think that had saved me. I haven't had one since. But that understanding where what you just said is that mm-hmm. the fear of the anxiety attack was actually what caused more anxiety. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, so I'm glad that was brought up. And you know, and there's some people um, out there that are very sensitive to, to their own uh, to their own body. So they can notice like miniature changes in the in the ventilation or in the heart rate, and those things they they you know they start freaking out right. um, because they're so sensitive, they're so in tune with themselves. Um, so so you know remember that a, a panic attack, anxiety attack, it, it is an excess of um, 
corticolamines, which are, you know, neurotransmitters. You know, you got no epinephrine, epinephrine, dopamine. So th these are hormones that are being neurotransmitters that are being produced by the body. And so basically it's actually a, a, a flight or fight response. Right. You know, so right. you're going to have everything of it. You know, you're going to have dilated pupils because you need right. to see better. You know, your heart is racing, your skin, your, your blood vessels are constricted, you know, because you have to, you have, you're going to fight or you're going to, or you're going to run. So, right. so, so, so when you look at it, it is actually a, a, you know, a flight to fight response. And, and, and because of that sensitivity, that's how the body remembers it. When you get traumatized for something, the body remembers, remembers it because that is what imprints in your brain is the actual chemical reaction of that feeling. So then what happens is any single time that you are thinking of having that feeling again, it's going to hit that hippocampus part of your brain and it's going to bring that memory back. And then, and then, and whatever trigger it was. So whatever can trigger, it's going to bring that memory. And then that memory is going to come back exactly how it was the first time. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're going to have basically the same kind of amount of a panic attack because it's basically stored in, in, in the hippocampus just as it was initially when it was initially created. Right. We have another Facebook Live question. Go ahead, Trinity. Can you read that, Michael? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Is uh, can anxiety or panic attacks cause migraines or regular headaches? Yes, because of the corticolamines. Remember, one of the the reason of migraine headaches it is vasodilation. When you have when you vasodilate the uh, the vessels in 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 your skull in your in your brain that increase of blood is what causes a lot of the migraine. So there is, because of that flight of flight, there is a vasodilation. And that is why when you look at people with migraine, you know, you drink, you drink black coffee and things like that, because that's what it's causing is a vasoconstriction to decrease that blood flow so to help the, the actual, um, uh, um, decrease the blood flow. So a lot of the anxiety can also cause, you know, that vasodilation in the, in the brain. The other thing is, that's migraine. So by from, from headaches, you have different kind of headaches. You have cluster headaches, you have tension headaches, you know. So so sometimes, you know, if you have a lot of anxiety, you're gonna have a lot of cluster headache and you got a lot of tension headaches, depending on how stressful you are. If you if this if this if you're if the anxiety is caused because of a stressful situation, definitely you're gonna have a somatic response, you know. So then they could be cluster, which is like the whole brain, the whole head is hurting you or tension, just a specific region of the head. And then specifically, you know, you're not working, you notice of the headaches, because that's another world. The headache with, that is associated with anxiety, it comes in the, in, the, in the afternoon. Not when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning and you get a headache waking up in the morning, that, that is a different uh, etiology. But if the headache starts developing as the day develops, and then most likely it's due to the anxiety as well. Interesting. Thank you very much for that. Now, now another thing, Dr. Pichardo, is that um, a lot of people ask, like, where they come from, right? So, so there is a genetic predisposition. You can be genetically predisposed, correct? There is a genetic factors to some types of anxiety, but other types of anxiety come from trauma, things that you've experienced in, in your life, life events, correct? Yeah, th there is a, there is, a, there is a lot. So one of the most, so first, one of the, I think one of the errors that that, and and that's why it's good this kind of um, programs and educational is that the first thing is, is this an anxiety created? You know, if this falls into our uh, psychiatric conditions, you know, or this is more medical. So one of the things that happens is, you know, people go to the doctor and say, you know, I have an anxiety. And doctors, okay, I'm going to give you some medication. But first, 
you know, the, you know, the patient have to know that may, anxiety can be caused from thyroid issues. Hyperthyroidism right. gives you anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, tumors in your adrenal gland, like phenochromocytoma, can give you anxiety, anxiety-like symptoms. So those are things, there's a lot of medical conditions that have to be ruled out. Then once those are ruled out, and then we go, we move a little bit, a little bit more forward into your anxiety condition. Because some people come and they say, oh, you have anxiety, but they drink 10 cups of black coffee. <laughs> you know, since the morning, since they get up in the morning, eight o'clock, and by 10 o'clock, they have to drink 10. And then they come, they like this, and they're like, I have anxiety. No. So, so one of the most important thing is also a thorough evaluation. Okay. Are you having anxiety because you're, you're you know, you're drinking, um, you know, energy drinks, mm -hmm. coffee, you know, um, not sleeping well, you know, um, you know, so once those things are ruled out, drugs that, or alcohol as well, drugs, right. alcohol, because right. that's, an, that's another, that's another, that's another, that's a different type of anxiety. Yeah, that's is. a different, because what, that's one of the things that we've been seeing recently that a lot of people go to the, to the doctor and they say, right. Hey, I have anxiety. The doctor comes and gives them a benzo and right. they now develop tolerance and dependency. And then right. now, because they have so much tolerance, once they stop taking the benzo for two or three hours, they start getting anxious. And, and it's not, that's not anxiety. That is withdrawing from the benzo. Correct. You're withdrawing from the benzo. Correct. So then you go to the doctor and say, oh, my God, you know, I have anxiety. It's worse now. Okay, right. well, let's increase the benzo. Let's give you more Xanax, right. you know. And the thing is, in reality, you're withdrawing from the Xanax. You're withdrawing from the alcohol, you know. So so let's put that aside. So okay. we, we, so we, let's put it aside. We really get to the cause. And now we rule out all medical, you know. Um, alcohol dependency, benzo dependency, opioids, you name it, uh, coffee, energy drink, stimulants. Now we have a pure anxiety case. Yes, there is a very strong genetic disposition, uh, predisposition to genetic loading. Um, you have family members, mom, dad, or both sides of the family, definitely you're going to have at least, you know, from 40 to 45 to who knows, from 35 to 40% position to anxiety so that's that's one so so you can inherit an anxiety disorder from your parents and if any and you can see it because if if your mom has it most likely you'll have it and your brother will have it your sister if both both your parents have it you will see it in the family uncle tim had it grandma has it and that's why that's why we ask those questions because that's going to determine medication because sometimes the medication that i that you started on your mom that worked for her most likely is going to work for you right because of that genetic loading you know, so, so, so that's, that's one. So now you got genetics. That is a key, but then now we bump into, into other factors. Now we, we bump into, into trauma, trauma. Mm -hmm. we personality disorders. Remember that we have people who are avoiding personality disorders, okay. uh, avoiding dependent, avoiding personality disorder are people that are afraid to, to make themselves ridiculed in front of people. They're afraid that they're going to get rejected rejected and this is something that they develop as they the teenage years it's a, a um, cognitive distortion cognitive errors of, of whatever trauma when they were growing up so now they themselves they have they have created anxiety um because they're afraid they're going to get rejected or bad experience you know or some of them uh some you know you have people that had a bad relationship or bad uh, um you know they had a bad marriage or or a bad girlfriend uh, and then later on, they are 
they're afraid to get into a relationship because they think they're going to get rejected. So that creates anxiety. And then anxiety creates depression. And then and then also creates, remember, one of the things with anxiety that is very important is that because it's so horrible the way that you feel, right. that you avoid everything that makes you, that gives you anxiety. So you start avoiding things. So you start avoiding relationships. You start avoiding getting into crowds. You start avoiding anything that you know that it's going to make you have the anxiety. So, so then now, so, so then now it becomes, now it becomes pathological because why it becomes pathological? Because everybody has anxiety. I have anxiety right now in this show. I'm not right. used to doing this, right. but it becomes pathological when it starts impairing your daily function. When the anxiety is so much that it handicaps you, it cripples you, and you're not able to function normally, that is when you have a problem. Right. Now, now. Before you get too deep into that part of it, what about loss? Because I know loss can also, like losing somebody early on in your life, like someone's death. Uh, how does that how, how does that create an anxiety? Remember, remember that one of the things when you do therapy, remember one of the things is the, the uh, 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 that fear of loss, right? Uh, abandonment, mm-hmm. you know, fear of abandonment. When you are when you're growing up and you have lo- losses, you feel that that people are they're going to go so you you protect yourself right so you you try to protect yourself because you don't want to feel that pain again because yeah. of that, that fear of abandonment so oh. that fear of abandonment so let's put you are like put an example in um you know you're afraid that that something bad is going to happen to somebody that you love because you were traumatized of that that, that early loss and, right. it, and it all depends when that loss occurred Okay. You know, it, you know, you're looking at, you know, if you were seven, eight years old and up, it's a little bit, you know, you, you know, it's a little bit different than if you were five years old and, and under, you don't, you don't have that much attachment. You don't understand what's going on, but let's put you lost somebody when you were 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're always going to have that fear that anybody that you love, you're going to lose. So that creates anxiety because you start thinking of everything, every scenario that can go wrong because you're afraid that that person is going to, is going to go and also, you're afraid that you're going to get abandoned because you also feel that you were abandoned. You know, if let's put it somebody, parents that divorce themselves, that's not, you know, because that's a loss. Yeah. Because remember, any things of when you look at loss and you look at, at how to grieve, if it's somebody that died or somebody that left or somebody that abandoned you, it's a loss. And, and how do you deal with that loss and how, and how traumatic that loss was with you? So then what happens is because you don't want to feel that way, two things happen. You, avoid so you don't you don't feel that lost or you become very clinging and hyper hyper protective of whatever it is because you don't want nothing to happen because you don't want to lose that person so now you see this person that becomes more of a of a stalker it's all the time and oh my god are you okay where are you <laughs> you know it's because of, it's because of that trauma you know and then you that, know. Cre- that creates anxiety that's an anxiety reaction because they're worried they're thinking 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 oh my god where they are oh my god it's it's they went to whatever 7-eleven 7-eleven from here is five minutes and they should be back here in 10 minutes but it's but it's 10 minutes and i had something happen to them you know and and, yeah. and that cognitive distortion creates anxiety because everything is how the the filters of your of your of your brain the information that is coming in what is happening to the information? How you're distorting it right. is the distortion, and it all depends on that specific trauma. You, you know, know this, 
there's somebody right now listening to this show probably on WOKB 1680 AM or 100.7 FM, and they're probably saying, you know, that's that's why she keeps looking at my social media. That's why she's following me. She <laughs> needs to be listening to Dr. Pichardo right now. You know, <laughs> you know you're right. Um, now, self-medicating is, is a thing that we say about all mental health issues, right? Self-medicating is, is, is very normal. Uh, for people to try to find their own way to not feel discomfort, right? Uh, uh, nobody likes to feel uncomfortable, we, we, and we really don't have the patience for a lot of discomforts that are pretty normal, you know, for most people. Uh, but when it's happening to you, when, it, when, when you're the one experiencing it, and you find something that takes away that discomfort, e- even if it's just for a few minutes, we tend to want to repeat that uh, like we just found, you know, something really special, like the Holy Grail or something like that. Like, our, you know, uh, there's so many of us out there that they, 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 they can relate to that when we think, oh, man, the first time I smoked pot or the first time I drank, or the first, it just went away. And it was like, oh, my God, this is what I needed. Uh, even though it's not a sustainable treatment, it feels like a treatment. So can we talk a little bit about self-medicating? What are some of the ways that people tend to accidentally self-medicate in, in a way that's not sustainable? Well, remember one other thing is when you look in, in, into our society, right? Nobody, uh, trust me, nobody goes, hey, hey, man, I'm going to go and see a psychiatrist because I have a mental illness. <laughs> nobody does that shit. Oh, sorry, nobody. Sorry. Ah, oh, there it goes. I, I, I owe you guys. So so nobody, nobody does that. Nobody does. Nobody is so proud to go to see a psychiatrist or therapist. It's a, you know, in our society, sometimes it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. And and in, even in the military, when you're active duty, if you go to mental health, that is the beginning of the end of your career. Yeah. That is the beginning of the end, most likely. <clears throat> and so, so nobody really, really is so motivated to go and say, hey, you know, I'm suffering from anxiety. I need to see my strength or, you know, this and this and that. And plus... They're, they're expensive as well. It's not, and, and they never have appointments either. That's another issue. Yeah. No appointments, no trip. They're expensive. And also, it's a sign of weakness. And, and, and you know, like, coming from a Latino culture, you tell, you, you tell your parents that you have anxiety or you're depressed. <laughs> they'll smack you in the face. They'll like, get me, child. You don't have enough work to do. You're like, <laughs> they'll say it's know. asthma. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they, and you know, they'll say a couple of bad words, you know, you know, you know, so exactly. yeah, so 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 then what happens is you're left to to experiment, and yeah. and and you you know and you see your body's like you know at least like active duty drinking coming out from work and drinking is 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 a nice social event, mm-hmm. and drinking helps with anxiety. Yeah. It, it 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 helps you for a little bit until until it gets out of control because then then what happens you find that fix. And then now you go, now if that, because remember the anxiety, there's a root. What is the root of the anxiety? What is causing the anxiety? What is underneath? So the only thing you're doing is you just put in a bandaid. It's still there. So then what happens is you're drinking. Now the drinking increases because you're, you're getting rebound anxiety. The, anxiety. the problem never went out. Your anxiety is getting worse. So now you're, you're increasing your drinking. You're developing tolerance. You're developing dependency. And now you have another problem because now it's not anxiety. Now you have anxiety plus withdrawal. So now, now you have a mixture of both. So then now you bump into other substances. If it's a benzo, 
Now the doctor comes and gives you a benzo. So now you're medicating the alcohol. Now you're medicating the, the withdrawal. You're medicating the anxiety with the benzo. They leave it for the, for the rest of their life in there sometimes. They, they give him Xanax like it's candy. Xanax has a very short half-life. Very, you know, you increase the um, dependency very fast, increase tolerance very fast. So now you, you withdraw him faster from the Xanax than from the alcohol. So now, you, you know, it's a double whammy. So, and then, you know, and then you bump into people that are, you know, hitting heroin. And now, you know, like I have a lot of patients of mine that, you know, a friend of mine said that Kratom is excellent for anxiety. <laughs> and now they're hitting Kratom and then they come and they're like, hey, can you detoxing for Kratom? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and sometimes the detox for Kratom is even worse than detoxing people from heroin. I, I, I'm, I'm sometimes taking 21 to 22 days discharging, um, detoxing somebody from Kratom. Some people are hitting even five gallons a day of Kratom. Jeez. You know, they, they, their skin is turning. This, yeah, I, I showed Louis. I sent him a picture. That was they turn, Yeah, they turn gold. Let skin start turning color, like brownish. And then when you're detoxing them, the sheet you can see that 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 colors that that colorization starts coming up from the skin, and you start basically staining the sheets with this yellow yellow brown color. So then that is more supposedly socio acceptable. It's like, hey man, you want to get high? You want to go drinking? You know, uh, you know, I, you know, you want to smoke a joint? You that is more social acceptable than say, hey, I'm going to go and see Dr. Picaro into my psychiatrist apartment. Yeah. You know, and plus, yeah. it's more easy. It's easy to get anything in the street. You know, the worst thing is that now you get guys that have an anxiety disorder. They're medicating with a benzo or with a downer. But and then they're feeling so down and so tired because the anxiety drains you. Anxiety drains you. Think about if you work, if you are working out in a gym, using all your adrenaline, and you're there pumping iron, pumping iron, and then you're not resting 24 hours a day. Eventually, your body is, is completely exhausted. So right. then, what are you gonna do? You're gonna start hitting the uppers. Right. So then now the uppers are gonna give you more anxiety. So now you have this fluctuation of mood. You up and down, up and down, up and down, and you're completely exhausted. So now completely every single aspect from your life is affected. Relationship is affected because you don't have no drive to have sex because, mm. because you're so beat up. And, 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 and remember, when you're, when, when you're in a, in a flight-to-fight responding anxiety, nobody stops to have sex. You're running for your life. <laughs> so sex is gone. You know Now you have a problem with the wife, things that you're cheating on her. You're completely tired. Um, you know, you're not able to focus. You're not able to concentrate at work. You know, basically every single aspect starts falling falling apart. Now you're not working well. Now you have problems at work, which is crazy one side. Now your financial issues. Now your wife, your wife or your husband, you have a problem with it. You're having a problem with your kids. When you come to see, now you have an extra anxiety compared to the actual the initial anxiety that you never addressed. So now you have this kind of wheel that you now you have to address those those uh, immediate issues before you get to the core mm. and sometimes they never get to the core because they never get a good therapist they never get a good psychiatrist and 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 everything is pumping meds pumping meds because and then now now you have a bunch of doctors just pumping a bunch of meds and the patient never the the, the true issue is never addressed so we got a couple of people on, on, on Facebook Live with two different <clears throat> questions. One is, how about CBD use? And the other one is Kava Kava. Kava Kava. So Kava Kava teas, and then the other one is CBD. Do you, do you, do you know anything about you know, those in relation to anxiety? Well, 
I don't know that much about Cava Cava, but but I can I can talk about CBDs, you know. Okay. Um, so definitely yes, cannabis will always help for anxiety. But the problem with with anxiety is what is the root? Mm-hmm. You know, if we have a, a genetic disposition and and your life is perfect and everything is good and nothing is wrong and you have anxiety and then no problem, cannabis will be great. But if you're dealing with issues that are creating anxiety, if it's a disbalance of your life, if you have stress or relationship issues or work issues or financial issues, you know, yeah, definitely you can use a CBD. It's going to it's going to help you, but it's not really taking care of the actual core of problem. You know, that is why with anxiety for me, always the most important thing is find what is causing the anxiety first. That's the root. Find the root. Then in the root, try therapy. Most important is therapy and behavior modification. How can I deal with anxiety and how bad is the anxiety? Once those things, they're not, they stop working and they're not working and they're not, and then definitely you start looking into other alternative um, medications. But I think that that finding the root of the problem is key because what, it's the same thing. You know, you can use CBD, you can use alcohol, you can use, you can use benzos, you can use anything, but you're not really going deep to what is really causing that 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 anxiety issue all of those things only treat the symptoms of it they they don't treat the anxiety they They treat the symptoms of but as soon as you're no longer using any of those things the anxiety even seems a little bit more powerful once you're not using it that's the problem right like it creates a void a vacancy it it, it rebounds and and um it rebounds And, and and you know the most important thing is actually ripping it out you know like a like a like a weed you have to rip it out right you have to rip it out from the garden because if not what happens is if you don't address and and one of the things is avoidance because if, when you look at it if you start band-aiding it and you really have an anxiety a situation that is creating anxiety and then you're really what you're doing is you're avoiding the situation and mm-hmm. and, and that's part of our that's part of the anxiety issue you avoid certain situations right. and you and then then what happens is it's always going to be there right so then what you're going to do when, when the CBD or when the benzos or when the other medications stop right. working, what are you going to do? You know, you know, one of the most effective treatments I've always found in my practice were when people learned breathing techniques, uh, you know, things that they can do anywhere uh, at any time. Because uh, one of the worst things about certain types of anxiety is the inability to sleep or, or any effect it has on your on your hunger or you're eating because once you're not eating properly and you're not, and you're not breathing properly, then you're probably not sleeping. And when you're not sleeping now, you got a whole other grouping of issues it, 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 and it makes you want to self-medicate uh, on some things in, in it. And it's, I, I think I have found more and more people that take some sort of sleep aid uh, in the last 10 years than ever before. Um, you know, and that, and that's concerning because, uh, that's one thing that if you can learn how to do that naturally, you're giving yourself a great gift. If you can learn how to sleep comfortably by processing through whatever's causing you that kind of internal pain and struggle and anxiety, uh, I'm telling you, you're going to save yourself a years and years and years of bad sleep. Um, you know, I used to not be able to go to sleep. I used to be able to, as soon as I would, my eyes would wake up a little bit, my brain started going, the racing thoughts, the racing thoughts. I, I have to get it done. I have to get it done. If I don't get it done, the world's going to fall apart. 
Uh, and that was so uncomfortable. I think one of the greatest gifts of working through problems and getting older, because I, I, I think getting older <laughs> gave me a lot of good things, was now uh, the sleep is so much restful. Like, uh, you know, I was given this beautiful gift of being able to sleep uh, with light, with sound, with everything now. Uh, in, and I think I attribute that to number one age and number two processing through the things that caused the anxiety in the first place, which for me was trauma. For me, it was childhood trauma. Once I processed through the childhood trauma, uh, the, the, the anxiety is gone. And I thought it was purely genetic. I really thought that I was going to be living with ADHD and anxiety for the rest of my life. And I'm, and I don't. Yeah, sleep is sleep is key. That's why one of you know important is sleep hygiene. But um, there's a combination of stuff with when you you know for treating anxiety. You know, like I said, it's figuring out one is is what is causing the anxiety. Second is trying to have a, a healthy lifestyle. And also sometimes people do have a healthy lifestyle, but they is the the sequence is out. Some people like to go to a gym really late at night. Okay. And they work themselves up, and and they're producing a lot of uh, a lot of corticolamines, a lot of norepinephrine, and then now they go try to sleep, and their their minds are racing, and and they self provoke their anxiety because now they they have to work the next day. Now they cannot sleep because they're super pumped, they're super energized. Then they try to take things to try to go to sleep, but it was yeah, you're doing great, but you have to work out a little bit earlier, you know, because what happens is even even when I treat a lot of the patients with anxiety. And sleep issues and eating issues. What I try to do it with, even with the medication, I try to go in the daytime, like in the morning when they wake up, is when the I want them to feel them energized, very feel very good. And then as the day continues, they wind down. Then when the evening comes, six, seven o'clock at night, now now they should be eating, they should be seeing you know resting, seeing a show, relaxing, preparing themselves to transition into your sleep mode. But you cannot be from very active mode to a sleep mode. And then what happens is, like you said, as time goes by and you're not sleeping well and you're not eating well, it now that starts creating other issues. And then remember, anxiety and depression, they come together. That's why when we treat, that's why a lot, even a lot of the anti, uh, anti-depressive medication, they anxiolytics because anxiety and depression comes, they come together. Who came first, the anxiety or the depression? Sometimes depression comes with anxiety. Sometimes anxiety is so bad that the person becomes depressed. So, so, so you have to you have to separate both of them. Uh, so, hey, let let me get in for one moment, Doc, because uh, you just stepped on all of my all ten of my toes on that one. <laughs> uh, what if I just can't sleep at night? It's not that I, I got anxiety. It's easy for me to work out and pump myself up and tire my body out, then go to bed. Is that is that considered anxiety? well no but it will depends it will depends again you finish working out you're you're not racing but you're not able to sleep right and do you feel unease do you feel restless do you feel butterfly in your belly anything like that no it just it's i'm i'm up late because I, i'm a night person okay so so that, that is why it's, so it's different compared to somebody that you know is laying down in the bed and now he's thinking about everything in the world. Got it. Okay. He's sweating. You know, you have like he's sweating. He's having his, you know, his heart is racing. You know, he's hyperventilating. And then he's freaking out because he cannot go to sleep. And then he has to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Right. And then he knows he's going to be tired. And then now he starts wanting. But now if I'm if I'm not going to get up in the morning, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to get in trouble with my work. And then, you know, and then you, 
you work yourself up to the point that now you're completely freaking out and hyperventilating. Compared that, you still, you're a night person, you're energized, you're good, you know, it, it all depends. So, so, but a lot of the people that has a lot of anxiety, they try to work out in the evening to try to, to, to calm themselves down. But sometimes it just makes it worse because now they have, now they have more energy. Uh, and then with the anxiety, it's like a, it's like the argument itself. And I started thinking hard over here, like, wait a minute, what am I doing? wait a minute. Well, yeah, not everybody that cannot sleep has anxiety, you know, and it all depends. You know, it's like you, you got some people that, that are drinking, you know, five cups of coffee at nine o'clock at night. And, 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 oh, and oh, hold on, hold on. Forgot no. about this. Oh, cigarettes. Oh, vaping and cigarettes. That's a stimulant. Stimulant. Yeah. Well, we that got two. Uh, we've got two questions from uh, from Facebook, and then if we have time, I actually have my own question. Um, so Marissa asked, or "What do you say to people who laugh off doing things like breathing techniques, stretching, exercise, and good sleep?" Listen, that is the key. That is why mindfulness, yoga, meditation, you know, long runs, um, good good herbal teas. Uh, all those things, you know, not, uh, uh, you know, uh, sounds, you know, nice soft sounds, music sounds, all those things, chanting, all those things are amazing. companionship. Yeah, all those things are amazing. They have worked for thousands and thousands of years. You go to Buddhism, India, and, oh, oh, oh. and you know, and yeah, Buddhism and India, Japan, China, you know, they have been doing it for a thousand, you know, Tai Chi. All those things are amazing. The thing is, they are being forgotten because you know we got big pharma. We don't make money in, in teaching Tai Chi in in the beach. You know, we make money. You know, um, giving some you know soul off and stuff like that. You you know? you you you, uh, you actually touched on what my question was going to be. We I, I still have another one on Facebook, but that was actually my question was I I didn't hear any mention yet of spirituality, and obviously that's in my realm because I. I for me, uh, you mentioned it earlier with Buddhism. That, for me, was what kind of helped a lot of what was going mm -hmm. on in my head and dealing with things. Well, ask your question first, yeah. didn't you? Well, that was really it. That was my oh, question. Yeah. Was, oh, was yeah. how does spirituality play into exactly. anxiety? Controlling your, you know, the, 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 how you call it, the, the, the crazy monkey in your mind. You know, be able to, to, <laughs> to calm your mind, you know. Sit down, yeah, sit down and calm that mind. That is not easy. And, and you know, and, 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 and people, people, you know, like, you know, I know uh from my medical school i have people that uh that will take their time at, in between in between rotation between classes and and they will meditate they will meditate and 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 they were excellent students they were focused they they were amazing they were so peaceful i, I had one of mine that every time i used to come to him was a problem he'll go it's okay Pichardo. right it's okay <laughs> and i'm like ah <laughs> and it's like no he was like this peaceful guy the whole world will be falling around him and he'll be like it's okay <laughs> it will well, get see, better <laughs> see for me i had uh like I, I don't recall having a ton of anxiety inducing type things in my life but i do know um i had some pretty bad car accidents one of them where i flipped it you know multiple times in the air and whatnot and consequently that made me probably the worst passenger ever like i i don't do well as a passenger in a car um but uh through my own spiritual practices i've learned um over the years where you'll never know like if i'm in a passenger in your car you'll never know because in my head i just i don't 
try to push uh, like for me the, the key i found for my spiritual practice is not to try to not feel that anymore like i don't try to push away the anxiety feeling i just allow it to kind of come and i realize it's there and i let it go away um for me and so like if i'm in a car i, I if I, like louis you and i've been driving many times and i've been the passenger and there's been many and, and it doesn't i'm not talking about the ones where we're like racing people well we were street. going 150 miles an hour <clears throat> yeah no i'm not talking about those ones <laughs> um but just a regular it doesn't matter if we're just driving around um, if I'm in the passenger side, in my head, yeah, you did good. In my head, though, it doesn't matter. You're going too fast. You're going too slow. You didn't stop this time. We're gonna re- like all these crazy wow. thoughts. And when I used to try to push those away and and just like, oh, I don't want to feel this anymore, it got worse. Yeah. But then I once on my spirituality kind of I got better at that. Then I started thinking like, okay, oh, there it is. I knew it was coming, yeah. and then I just allow myself to feel it, and then I kind of move on. Yeah, actually, you did better when we were racing with other vehicles. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they shouldn't have gave us the car they gave us. They yeah. they really upgraded us pretty good. And we had this, the highest, fastest performance car you can have on the road. And we just, yeah. I think we got to Tennessee in like an hour. Uh, but, 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 yeah. but, but when we were going regular speed, I asked him, I said, you know, so you seem to be doing really well. He goes, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but but those are perfect example of of you know trauma induced uh, anxiety sure. and, and and that is why you know th- that's why you know you come with those CBT which is very good cognitive behavioral therapy cognitive processing therapy because you know it's how the filters and how you you know what are the irrational thoughts that are coming about sure so so those those modalities are are excellent you know you know spiritual you know when you go into like therapy and things like that CBT and things like that also a very good combination. But what I want to I want to touch in into the antidepressant and the ancillitic medications. Well, uh, we maybe you can an, yeah, maybe you can answer this yeah. question why? Because the other question was, can we get to a point that we will not need to keep taking antidepressants? Yes, right. yes, and and that is important, and that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to bring in. Yeah, let's do that. I, I I wanted to bring in this because this is for me very important. I see a lot of the practice out there with a lot of my profession. And, you know, one is there are a bunch of medications from SSRIs, NSRIs, you know, for anxiety and depression. But prescribing them, you have to be responsible. And the, the normal way that you, re, you know, that you re, um, prescribe an antidepressant or ancillitic, they, they're both are the same. It is, you know, that it's going to take at least from four to six weeks so it can, they can start working. Okay. So if I prescribe Solof, an example, that everybody knows Solof or Prozac. That is going to take at least four to six weeks to start at least working. So what happens when you do it in between that? In between that, you can use a benzo. And, and this is the this is when the problem comes. The benzo is used as a bridge of treatment, meaning it's used until the, until the prostate that starts working, and then you remove the benzo. Okay? But what happens is they leave it on. Okay? And then... The patient becomes completely dependent on the isobenzoyl, and then you never know if the if the ancillitic, the solo for the Prozac is working or not, because in reality, what is working is the benzoyl. So then now every single time that they stop the benzoyl, they get withdrawal symptoms and they feel they're anxious. Okay, so so that's how it's supposed to be responsible medicated. But now let's put it somebody that already was started correctly. We started an antidepressant medication. We gave a, a bridging treatment, which it can be even a beta blocker, propanonol, enderol. It can be bisteril, like a strong benadryl. It can be a benzo, not a Cyanax, never Cyanax, something like Valium, something low-acting, a little bit of clonopin, maybe, 
you know, Xanax, no way. Right. And and now now this person is an antidepressant and has done pretty well. So the indication is that in in the school of thought says that in six months you can take away the antidepressant medication and see how that person does without it. If the that is that is if the person already has had treatment, has therapy, and has worked in therapy, has worked in mindfulness, have done you know a lot of a lot of work, and is still on an, an uh, ancillitic, and then you remove the ancillitic and you see how that how it does. If the anxiety comes back, and then you start it again, and then now you you hold to one year, in one year you remove it again. And see if it comes back. If it comes back, and then now you looking that most likely it's at eighty to ninety percent that you most likely going to be on this medication for the rest of your life. Right. But the problem is that a lot of the doctors, what they do, they leave the medication there forever, and then they take it and take it away from the patient. Now you have patients that are five, five, six, seven years on this medication, and in reality, they've never been tested without it to see if they're doing better because depression goes away. Never, you know, the brain keeps developing, neurotransmitters keep changing. So when, you know, so that means that this medications, you have to give them a trial without it to see if they're doing better, if their depression has really gone away, if the anxiety has really gone away. And, you know, with the combination, like I said, with therapy and things upside. So they, so if this medications after, you know, those so many times, the person still is relapsing, falling, depressed or or the anxiety keeps coming back. And then definitely, yeah, definitely this more genetic condition. This person definitely has uh, neurotransmitters disbalance and will definitely need this antidepressant to be on board because what the antidepressant does, the function of an antidepressant is if we're looking for like serotonin is the big one. That's the one that gives you, you know, the, the feeling happy and things like that. So what happens is some people don't produce that much. So then the body normally produces and breaks it, produce and break it. So the antidepressant, what it does is it decreases the breakdown of that neurotransmitter. So it makes it last longer in just, it doesn't produce it. It doesn't make it for you. It just stops the breakdown of it. So if we remove it and your body's not able to produce, and then definitely you're going to fall, you're going to feel depressed all the way down. So, because, because now, you know, your body's just not producing enough and it's getting rid of it too fast. So that's why the antidepressant, what it does is it just stops the breakdown. So, but some people do have situational, and that's the other thing is some people have adjustment disorder, and this is an, another big issue. Adjustment disorder with depressed mood, adjustment disorder with anxiety, well, something well, bad happened in your life. And then now things got better six months later. You most likely don't need that antidepressant anymore or that ancillary because now you're already adjusted to that situation. I'm going to I'm going to pause you right there, Dr. Pichardo, because you're getting into something that I'd like to have a, a, a longer show with you. We're, <laughs> we're, we're out of time now, but I, I, I would like to invite you back uh, in two weeks from now. And can we okay. do the same show that we just did right now, except on depression? No problem. OK, no that, problem. That, that, that'd be really good, because uh, for this particular part and, and you've been fantastic and, and I and I just love the way you communicate. I love the way you explain things. I think it's very helpful to our audience. Um, and I know to me personally, and, and I love our working relationship that we have. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there on benzodiazepines. If you're out there and you're prescribed Xanax or Valium or Clonopin or anything like that, unfortunately, you get stuck 
using it and and to get off of it uh, people won't see you people just won't won't see you so you get stuck using it so please you know if, if you're in that situation you can reach out to to us with dr Pachardo's office and stuff at telemed clinics at tele t-e-l-e med m-e-d and clinics c-l-i-n-i-x dot com and you can ask us about telemedclinics.com. That's clinics with an X.com and talk to us about it. And maybe we can help you uh, maybe get off of it, uh, maybe re- reassess it, see if it's really for you. Any final words, Dr. Pachardo? Because we got to get out of here. Any final words? No, no. To I give us a call. You. Yeah. I, give us I a appreciate call. you. I appreciate you. Trinity, any final words, brother? Uh, yeah. I'd just say, you know, um, if you're feeling anxiety or things of that nature, don't just try to, you know, deal with it on your own. There's, there's apparatuses in place, uh, both, uh, paid for and free that you can utilize. So find whatever works for you. Amen. Shaw, man, what's coming up next? It's Sideshow Mondays right here. It's uh Saturday night, Friday night, get down, get down with all good entertainment where they're getting ready to go ahead and go hard in the paint. So get ready, get ready. It's football season all over again. You already know. Right on, right on. And for all of you, look, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. He's the Dharma guy. I'm the dope doctor. That was Dr. Nelson Pichardo as our guest today from Telemed Clinics. Uh, join us next week. We'll probably show the same exact show next week because uh, I might be in Jersey and might be unable to join do the show. But in two weeks from now, we'll do the same show on depression. So stay tuned in. Adios, amigos. It's time for a taco. Goodbye. <laughs>